Chapter Twelve of Danny's Own Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis. Chapter Twelve. I was down in the professor's laboratory one day, and that was a queer place. They was every kind of scientifics that has ever been discovered in it some was pickled in bottles and some was stuffed and some was pinned to the walls with their wings spread out if you took hold of anything it was likely to be a skull and give you the shivers or some electric contraption and shock you and if you tipped over a jar and it broke enough germs might get loose to slaughter a whole town i was helping the professor to unpack a lot of stuff some friends had sent him and I noticed a bottle that had onto it blowed in the glass Daniel Dunn and company Well, that's funny says I out loud What is asked the professor? I showed him the bottle and told him how I was named after the company that made him He says to look around me There is all kinds of glassware in that room bottles and jars and queer shaped things with crooked tails and noses and nigh every piece of glass the professor owns is made by that company why says the professor their factory is in this very town and nothing would do for me but i must go and see that factory i couldn't till the quarantine was pried loose from our house but when it was i went downtown and hunted up the place and looked her over it was a big factory and i was kind of proud of that I was glad she wasn't no measly little old-fashioned run-down concern Of course I wasn't really no relation to it and it wasn't none to me But I was named for it too and it come about as near to being a family as anything I had ever or was likely to find So I was proud it seemed to be doing well I think as I looked at her of the thousands and thousands of bottles that has been coming out of there for years and years and will be for years and years to come and one bottle not so much different from another one and all that was really known about me was just the name on one out of them millions and millions of bottles it made me feel kind of queer when i thought of that as if i didn't have no separate place in the world any more than one of them millions of bottles if anyone will shut his eyes and say his own name over and over again for quite a spell he will get a kind of wonderized and mesmerized a doing it he will begin to wonder who the dickens he is anyhow and what he is and what the difference between him and the next feller is he will wonder why he happens to be himself and the next feller himself he wonders where himself leaves off and the rest of the world begins I've been that way myself all wonderized so that I felt just like I was a melting piece of the whole creation And it was all shifting and drifting and changing and flowing and not solid anywhere And I could hardly keep myself from flowing into it. It makes a person feel awfully queer Like seeing a ghost world It makes him feel like he wasn't no solider than a ghost himself Well, if you ever done that and got that feeling you know what I mean all of a sudden when I'm trying to take in all them millions and millions of bottles it rushed on to me that feeling strong Thinking of them bottles had somehow brung it on the bigness of the whole creation and the smallness of me 
and the gait at which everything was racing and rushing ahead made me want to grab hold of something solid and hang on. I reached out my hand, and it hit something solid all right. It was a fellow who was wheeling out a hand truck loaded with boxes from the shipping department. I had been standing by the shipping department door, and I reached right again him. He wants to know if I'm drunk or a blank fool. So after some talk of that kind, I borrows a chew of tobacco from him, and we gets right well acquainted. I helped him finish loading his wagon, and rode over to the freight depot with him, and helped him unload her. Lifting one of them boxes down from the wagon, I got such a shock I'd like to have dropped her. For she was marked so many dozen, glass, handle with care, and she was addressed to Dr. Hartley L. Kirby, Atlanta, Georgia. I managed to get that box onto the platform without busting her, and then I sits down on top of her awful weak. What's the matter? asked the fellow I was with. Nothing, says I. You look sick, he says. And I was feeling that away. Maybe I do, says I. And it's enough to shake a fellow up to find a dead man come to life sudden like this. Great snakes, no, he says, looking all around. Where? But I didn't stop to chew the rag none. I left him right there with his mouth wide open, staring after me like I was crazy. Half a block away I looked back, and I seen him double over and slap his knee and laugh loud, like he had hearn a big joke. But what was he laughing at I never knew. I was tickled. Tickled. Just so tickled I was plumb foolish with it. The doctor was alive after all. I kept saying it over and over to myself. He hadn't drowned nor blowed away and I was going to hunt him up. I had a little money. The professor had paid it to me. He had given me a job helping take care of the horses and things like that, and wanted me to stay. And I had been thinking maybe I would for a while, but not now. I calculated I could grab a ride that very night that would put me into Evansville the next morning. I figured if I catched a through freight from there on the next night, I might get where he was almost as quick as them bottles did. I didn't think it was no use writing out my resignation for the professor, but I got quite a bit of grub from Biddy Malone to make a start on, for I didn't figure on spending no more money than I had to on grub. She asked me a lot of questions, and I had to lie to her a good deal, but I got the grub, and at ten that night I was in an empty, bumping along south, along with a cross-eyed feller named Looney Hogan, who happened to be traveling the same way. Riding on trains without paying fare ain't always the easy way it sounds. It's like a trade that has got to be learned. There is different ways of doing it. I have done every way frequent except one that I give up after trying her two or three times. That is riding the rods down underneath the cars with a piece of board put across them to lay yourself on. I never want to go anywheres again bad enough to ride the rods because sometimes you arrive where you're going to partly smeared over the trucks and in no condition for to be made welcome to our city as dr kirby would say sometimes you don't arrive every once in a while you read a little piece in a newspaper about a man being found alongside the tracks considerable cut up or laying right across them maybe he is held in the morgue a while and no one knows who he is and none of the train crew knows they has run over a man, and the engineer says there wasn't none on the track. More than likely, 
that feller had been riding the rods along about the middle of the train maybe he let himself go to sleep and just rolled off maybe his piece of board slipped and he fell when the train jolted or maybe he just naturally made up his mind he rather let loose and get squashed than get any more cinders into his eyes riding the blind baggage or the bumpers gives me all the excitement i wants or all the gambling chance either others can have the rods for all of me and there is some people actually says they likes them best a good place if it's winter time is the feed rack over a cattle car for the heat and steam from all them steers in there will keep you warm but don't crawl in no lumber car that is only loaded about half full and short lengths and bundles of laths and shingles in her for there's likely to get the shifting and bumping baled hay is pretty good sometimes myself not being like those bums that is too proud to work i have often helped the fireman shovel coal and paid for my ride that away but an empty for general purposes will do about as well as anything this feller looney hagan that was with me was a kind of harmless critter and he didn't know just where he was going nor why he was mostly scared of things and if you spoke to him quick he shivered first and then grinned idiotic so you wouldn't kick him and when he talked he had a silly little giggle he had been made that away in a reform school where they took him young and tried to work the cussedness out of him by batting him around they worked it out and pretty nigh everything else along with it i guess looney had had a partner whose name was slim he said but a couple of years before slim had fell overboard often a barge up to duluth and never come up again looney knowed slim was drowned all right but he was always traveling around looking at tanks and freight depots and switch shanties for slim's mark to be cut fresh with a knife somewheres so he would know where to follow and catch up with him again he knowed he would never find slim's mark he said but he kept a looking and he guessed that was the way he got the name of looney looney left me at evansville he said he was going east from there he guessed and i went along south but i was hindered considerable being put off the trains three or four times and having to grab these here slow local freights between towns all the way down through kentucky anywhere south of the ohio river and east of the mississippi river trainmen is grouchier to them they thinks is bums than north of it anyhow and in some parts of it if a real bum gets pinched heaven help him for nothing else won't one night between twelve and one o'clock i was put off a freight train for the second time in a place in the northern part of tennessee right near the kentucky line i sat down in a lumber yard near the railroad track and when she started up again i grabbed onto the iron ladder and swung myself aboard but the brakeman was watching for me and clumb down the ladder and stamped on my fingers so i dropped off with one finger considerable mashed and sat down in that lumber yard wondering what next it was a dark night and so fur as i could see there wasn't much moving in that town only a few places was lit up one was way across town square from me and it was the telephone exchange with a man operator reading a book in there the other was the telegraph room in the depot about a hundred yards from me and they was only two fellers in it both smoking the main business part of the town was built up around the square 
like lots of old-fashioned towns is and they was just enough brightness from four five electric lights to show the shape of the square and be reflected from the windows of the closed-up stores i knowed there was likely a watchman somewheres about two i guessed i wouldn't wander around none and run no chances of getting took up by him so i was getting ready to lay down on top of a level pile of boards and go to sleep when i hearin a curious kind of noise away off like it must be at the edge of town it sounded like quite a bunch of cattle might be shuffling along a dusty road the night was so quiet you could hear things plain from a long ways off it growed a little louder and a little nearer and then it struck a plank bridge somewheres and come across it with a clatter then i knowed it wasn't cattle cows and steers don't make that cantering kind of noise as a rule they trot it was horses crossing that bridge and they was quite a lot of them as they struck the dirt road again i hearn a shot and then another and another and then a dozen all to onct and away through the night a woman screamed i seen the man on the telephone place fling down his book and grab a pistol from i don't know where he stepped out into the street and fired three shots into the air as fast as he could pull the trigger and as he done so there was a light flashed out in a building way down the railroad track and shots came answering from there men's voices began to yell out and there was a noise of people running along plank sidewalks and windows opening in the dark and then with a rush the galloping noise came nearer came closer raced by the place where i was hiding and nigh on a hundred men with guns swept right into the middle of that square and pulled their horses up end of chapter twelve